And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 91st episode recorded on Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. I'm your host, Jeff Morrow, joined by my co-host tonight, Kathy Amos. And tonight, we'll be previewing our ga- the g- women's game against the University of Evansville and talking about some of the Big Ten so far this year. But we're going to start tonight the way we do every episode, and that's with our banner moment. And Kathy, I'm going to go back to Saturday against Rutgers. Coach Terry Morin recorded her 100th career Big Ten victory with the IU Hoosiers. And so our banner moment, congratulations to Coach Morin on her 100th career Big Ten victory. And that is our banner moment. As usual, or excuse me, our banner moment is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, who includes the Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You are bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear. Right now, they have all kinds of fun stuff coming out for 12 days of Christmas. Not only do you get quality apparel, but you're also supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME23, that's HOME23, H-O-M-E-2-3, for 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com and wear one for the team. And we'll kind of take a quick look at the news here. Not a lot. I use off all week. They won't play again until next Monday or this coming Monday, I should say. So it's finals week in Bloomington. Uh, so you know, hopefully the students are, the players are concentrating on their exams. And I'm sure trying to get some practice time squeezed in as well. The one news we did have, IU moved up to number 15 in both polls this week. Actually, up in the AP poll, they stayed at 15 in the coaches poll. So we're going to throw it over to Kathy for the Amos Angle and get her initial thoughts on tonight's podcast and what she's got on her mind. Yeah. Hey, Jeff. Good night, everyone. Um, yeah. So another another ranking coming out. And here we are in the polls yet again. And um, I, I know I was just, uh, we were just texting with our friend Ari and um, IU has not been outside of the polls since McKenzie has joined Indiana. So for four and a half years during the regular season, Indiana has now been ranked um, in the top 25. So that's just a great accomplishment by the team and a great way to look at the big picture, I think, of this program. You know, you know, we often, especially as we're doing these evening games or, or excuse me, these post-game shows and everything that we're talking about in the, the heart of the, the season, it's sometimes easy to lose, lose sight of the big picture sometimes of the program overall. And, you know, you, you look back to five, six years ago um, when Coach Morin was still kind of getting everything going, um, you know, that's quite an accomplishment, four and a half years, you know, you, you know, for a long time, the Indiana women's program was kind of an afterthought in the Big Ten. And now here they are year in and year out vying for a Big Ten championship. So just a great accomplishment by Coach Morin. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and for those of us who kind of remember where the program was pre-Terry Morin, it's, that's a, a, a big, big moment. Um so, and, and Kathy is, you know, had to step away for a second. So I'll, I'll take the reins here. Um, again, let's preview the upcoming opponent. That's Evansville. 
Evansville will be uh, the Hoosiers' next opponent on Monday. They ho- at, when they host um, it is Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And Kathy, I forget, forgot to put it in the run sheet, but I think that game is on regular BTN, and I don't have the time for it. Yeah, let me look that up. Sorry about that. I had uh, an error on my insulin pump. I needed to turn off or it was going to keep beeping at us all night. Um, so, yes, um, okay. they play on on Monday at 7 Eastern, 6 Central, and they are on Big Ten Plus. Okay, Big Ten Plus. All right. Yep, so I was thinking they were on regular BTN. But so Big Ten Plus for that game on Wednesday, on Monday night. Uh, Evansville currently 1-7. Their only wins over Chicago State, 103-102. to 102. Barn burner there. Uh, yeah. They'll play with Lindenwood on the 16th before they play us. Um, so Kathy, why don't you take, uh, take the sky report from here a little bit? Yeah. So um, Evansville is coached by Robin Sherwells. She's in her third year with the university of Evansville. Um, So as a team, they are averaging right around 73 points per game. Um, They're shooting 36% on field goal percentage, only 27.5% three-point percentage. Um, The interesting thing, the number that really stuck out to me when looking at them as a team is they are, they can, they um, have 20, they have committed 20 turnovers per game, which is a lot, Um, but they're forcing 15.4. So I think that'll be an interesting thing to kind of watch to see, you know, if our defense can turn them over where their average really is. kind of landing them in terms of players, individual players are, they're pretty young in terms of who's leading them in scoring. So they have Ken Mason Stiverson. She's a sophomore five, eight guard. She's averaging 17 points per game and four assists per game. And then Maggie Hartwig is a freshman. She's their second leading scorer um, at 11 points per game. And she has almost eight rebounds per game. And she is a six, one forward. So it seems like they're led by a fairly young team from what I could tell jeff um but what what are you what are your thoughts on the purple aces well, yeah you talk about your leading scorers are sophomore and a freshman so that tells you right now that you at least the key people you're wanting to, that you're depending upon are young the thing that really jumped out to me kathy on their stats was the shooting yeah they're turning it over a ton but they're only shooting 36 percent, and yeah, and yeah. that's just yeah even for a I team that's struggling that's just an awful percentage and you want to kind of and iu doesn't want to be the team that they break out on but you it just but they're averaging 73 a game so they're probably getting a lot of shot opportunities um and i didn't take a deep dive into their stats to look and see what kind of offensive rebounding and, and numbers they have but to be getting 73 a game on 36 percent shooting they're either trying to play a lot uh, an up-tempo game or they're crashing the glass and getting second third opportunities that they're just not converting on either but yeah i think this is a game where again uh, struggle bus for evansville um we posted this in the Substack a little bit and the their net is really down uh in terms of where they are and and, and sheer wells is one that they really have some high hopes for they i think they just extended her actually last year um with her contract because they felt like she had done such a good job i want to say from last year to this year or mm-hmm. year to second year she doubled their output and wins now it wasn't a huge you know it wasn't like they went from 10 to 20 but Evansville has been struggling on the women's side for a while. And so she was able to get them. I believe she got me right around 10 or 11 wins uh, last year. So, you know, but again, you're, you're trying to play with some younger players. So this is one, I think, just come out and take care of business. You know, you, you have a good start, you kind of get on them early and, and they're probably going to go away. The longer you let them hang around, then all of a sudden they become a little more dangerous and you're starting to, you know, get into kind of a nail biter, but being at home, the thing here you worry about a little bit, Kathy too, is, 
you know, the layoff because you haven't played for over a week at this point, but you know, with finals mm-hmm. and stuff. But so, you know, we'll see what ha- you know, we'll see how it goes. But I think this is one that, you know, we all, you know, probably chalked up as a win when we went through the preseason schedule. Yeah, it doesn't look again on paper. I haven't watched University of Evansville, so I can't speak to how they they've looked in any of their games, but it's only one win and it was a really tight win against Chicago State, you know, and then some of their other losses. It wasn't like they were playing all power five in their seven losses either. So on paper, it looks like this is one we should, you know, have a very good handle on. And so again, what I'm kind of looking for is what kind of defensive intensity they have coming out of the gate. And can they sustain that for the whole time, even if they have a big lead? Bench play in particular, I think, is going to be important here. Mm. And then, of course, um, rebounding. I think it's kind of the three things we've been really focusing on this year in terms of things we'd like to see improve. But those are the three things I'll be kind of watching for in this Evansville game, especially the the rebounding and the defensive intensity from our our, our bench, which I expect will get quite a bit of play on, on Monday. Yeah, and Eagle Eye points out in the work workaholics, and I totally agree. This would be a really good game to try and get Meister, Lily Meister some minutes. I think she does have a little bit of uh, – there's a little – I hate to call it crisis of confidence, Kathy, but I think we see a little bit of that she's really started to kind of second-guess when she's out there rather than just playing like she did last year where she would come into the game, and she kind of had a fearlessness to her. And right now you kind of see her thinking a little bit. You see her, you know, kind of, you know, almost afraid to make a mistake. And mm-hmm. so we need to get her having some confidence back because I think I think Lily's going to have a big could could have a big role in the second half of the season. By the way, also want to shout out or, or give a shout out. Uh, I saw this on Twitter today, but for any of you want to go look it up on Google, uh, Crimson Corey had a nice article today about the IU bench um, and focusing primarily on the guards. It was uh, the guards, Lexi. Um, uh, Lene, Jules, and Hannah, and what their role will be kind of going forward, what we can hope to see for minutes, what can they bring. And they made the comment that Kathy, you and I were making the other day, and we've made a couple times on the podcast. This is maybe the deepest IU team we've seen since we've been doing the show, but will Coach Morgan trust that right. depth and continue to play them? Yeah, that's a great point, Jeff. And, you know, uh, listening to Coach Morin's show this week um, with Austin Rinder um, that was recorded Monday night, you know, he asked about the bench play and why maybe they didn't get very much, you know, very deep in that record games that we talked about, you know, only three, three deep and even not a whole lot of minutes from two of the three that played. And she said, you know, it was just important for them to be on the road in the conference playing their first conference game to get off to a good start. Mm -hmm. And it was a fairly tight game. And she said, I will always defer to experience in in that case. So that's why she went with her starters and with Lexi with so many minutes on on that game. So um, but at what point to to your point, what point do you do you start trusting your bench? Because you're you're really going to have to if we're going to have some you know higher expectations, I think, um, as the can the season continues on. Yeah, and 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 I don't know. I didn't go back to look and see if Crimson Quarry had done maybe yesterday done something on the win, on the forwards on the and type thing. But I think you got to go back as we mentioned. I think Lily plays a big role here, just because you yeah. want to try and manage McKenzie's minutes. Even at Rutgers, McKenzie played the least of any of the starters, if I recall off the top of my head. And, right. and and so I think that's a good thing. I think you know you don't need Mac running up 35, 37 minutes in December. But you need to have Lily. Lily needs to provide a little more of the production that we saw from her last year, and we know she's capable. That's why I think Kathy should just have like you know, there's a there's a little bit of you know, like confidence, you know, 
a drop right now. And again, it only takes a game or two to get it back. Have a good game, come out there, do your production. And I think one of the things that's really where you see this is how many games now, and I, I'm not trying to get an exact count, but where Lily comes in and maybe within the first minute or so, she gets called for a moving screen, you know, and, yeah. and which actually counts as a turnover as well. So it's really kind of a double whammy. You get the foul and a turnover. And, and we didn't, I don't really remember any of that last year. So is that on the guards not waiting for her to get the screen set or is she still, or, or is she not getting into the proper positioning to get a good screen set? But it just seems like that's happened to her quite a few games. Yeah. You know, you're right, Jeff. I hadn't really thought about that. The other thing though, at a kind of a more macro level with that one thing, you know, um, my husband and I talked about in the couple of women's games that we watched, not just Indiana women's games, but it just seems like it's more of a point of emphasis as well for the referees, which could yes. be a contributing factor as well. We know there's always seems like there's something that's a point of, uh, you know, thing that they, they focus on the, the referees. And to us, it seems like there's a lot of moving screens being called in the women's game. Um, so that's something to, to watch. I hadn't necessarily noticed that with Lily per se. I, I noticed it more in the overall college women's basketball game this year. So anything else you want to add into this, Kathy, about Evansville? And I totally agree with uh, what Eagle Eye points out here in the workaholics. And, and I thought you raised a great point. That's you, th that comment by Coach Morin is that's her. That's that's the yeah. way she's built this program. Yeah. So at least she's and consistent with it. And it's worked. So yeah. but anything else <laughs> you want to add say? about it? Anything else you <laughs> want to add about anything else you want to add about Evansville? Nope, I think I'm good. So we kind of pre we kind of gave our first quarter grades on IU last week. So we're not going to talk a ton about the Hoosiers, but we will kind of reference them back here as we go through our discussion about the Big Ten. And Kathy, uh, I'll kind of get this started here. Just some highlights of the Big Ten. Three teams right now currently ranked in the top 25: Iowa, Ohio State, and IU, based on this week's rankings. Six teams are in the current bracketology on ESPN. The three teams I mentioned already, plus Maryland, Nebraska, and Michigan. And then Minnesota and Penn State are in the first four out. And then here, I think, is a key number. Ten teams in the Big Ten are in the top 50 of this week's net. And that includes Michigan State and Illinois. And Illinois, I believe, was actually number 50. So you look at the Big Ten. It may not be showing up in the rankings. And, we, and, I, and, and we're going to kind of go through this a little bit as we, uh, with this you know, uh, kind of outlook or you know, pre, uh, what I want to call a review of the Big Ten here. But there are a lot of opportunities for for quad one wins going to, into Big Ten season. Yeah, absolutely. I think from a, a moment's perspective, um, or from a, the Big Ten perspective, rather, excuse me, maybe they don't have a lot of huge signature wins across the board in the Big Ten and their non-conference play. But I, I feel like overall it's been pretty solid from the conference as a whole. You know, you, you've had, for the most part, uh, the top team teams there, Iowa, Ohio State, and Indiana in particular, really kind of taking care of business for the most part. And we'll get into that a little more in the games you expected, right? Um, I know Indiana didn't look great against Stanford and they lost that game, which is as expected. It just probably wasn't the, the differential that we expected, but otherwise the record's the same that we expected or even better in my case. Cause like I had said before, I thought they might want to drop one of those games down in Fort Myers and they won both of them. So, you know, record wise, they're right there as well. And, you know, we'll get into Iowa and Ohio state. And then you have some, some, some surprising teams like Penn state, especially for me has been quite a surprise. I know their first four out, 
but they weren't a team we really even talked about in the mm -hmm. preseason. Um, so last year was kind of Illinois who snuck up on people. It feels like Penn State has kind of taken that in. And then you have a few like Illinois that maybe I thought would be a little stronger in the non-conference. So um, we'll see how they do when we get into conference play. Um, I think maybe the biggest prize is maybe the Maryland team. Mm. I, I thought that they would have maybe performed a little bit better than they have. But, you know, again, we'll talk about them. The, the losses weren't like they were to bad losses. I think they were all to, to ranked teams as well. Yeah, and I think the thing that you look at, and it's still December, so time for <clears throat> for some of these teams that we thought were going to play better, Illinois, Maryland, and to turn it around and all of a sudden now they're in the top four or five of the Big Ten at the end of the year. But based on what we've seen on the court, and this is where I think that sometimes, and, and, and for those of you who follow us in the Substack, I've been you know kind of a one-man power ranking and, and, and not trying to toot the horn or anything. But you know, at this point, though, some results matter a little bit. I, yeah, I think you can go by talent. But you look at Illinois, it's hard to say Illinois is a top four or five team in the league after they get smoked at home by 36. I mean, it's one, you can lose at home, but you can't lose by 36 and, and have people think that you're really, really good. Um, again, a long time to go before now and the end of the season, and that can change. That's the beauty of doing the power ranking every week. But, you know, so, but you look at this, Kathy, I want you, when you, especially since you're in Iowa and you hear maybe just a little bit more, why don't you talk about Iowa real quick and then we'll discuss them where they're at so far in the Big Ten season. <laughs> Yeah, so for Iowa, they have only lost one game, and that was to Kansas State. They lost him. The surprising part about losing to Kansas State was that they had lost to them last year as well. But this year was at home, um, and they lost 58 to 65. So somehow Kansas State found a way to shut down their entire offense, which is kind of what they're they're built on. They're averaging right around just under 89 points per game as a team with Caitlin Clark by herself averaging 29 and a half of those points. Um, now, the the good good thing for them is they turned around and beat Kansas State again later that year or later this year already. They played them in Florida over Thanksgiving. They ended up beating them down there in a neutral site, 77 to 70. Um so there you go. You you kind of see the key is if you can somehow slow Iowa's offense down, you know, holding them to 58 at home where they didn't and they got it back into that 70 range, 77, and they lost. So I think the key to Iowa is just somehow, again, figuring out how to slow their offense down. Um and I don't know if you do that or not. Um, the other great win for Iowa is Virginia Tech. That was at a neutral site location. Um, that was really interesting story, you know, for women's basketball in general, because uh, Virginia Tech and I both the universities were both um, paid to come into um, I forget the, the location. Charlotte, wasn't it? Charlotte, yes. Thank you. I was going to say Chattanooga. But it's the wrong CH town. <laughs> so <laughs> they were paid to come into Charlotte to pay, you know, to draw in that crowd. And I think they ended up selling out the arena. Um, I know this Saturday coming up too, Iowa is playing here. Uh, the men and the women are both playing in our large Wells Fargo arena here in Des Moines. And that's sold out as well. Um, so the, you know, the, I've heard so many phrases, right? Clarkonomics is one. The Clarkonomics effect is real, right? Like the, wherever mm -hmm. she's at, she is drawing people in and drawing a crowd. And you can see that. And, you know, I was thinking they would be off a little bit with Sonano leaving. Um, but Caitlin Clark has upped her production and the rest of the team is up theirs just enough that they are really picking up, I think, almost where they left off last year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I will really say. Strong. 
Yeah, and I will say this: they they are strictly, you know, I shouldn't say strictly. They are primarily an offensive team. So yeah. you know, if you look at that though, you know, the 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 cumulative with K State is basically an even game. They they lost by seven at home. They won by seven at the neutral site. If I'm Iowa, I'm not sure I want to see K State in the NCAA tournament. You know, uh, you know, send them off to the other side of the country, or you know, but don't send them to us. Um, right. But you know, like you said, that that went over Virginia Tech. Even even though they got to eighty, Virginia Tech had done a pretty decent job of slowing them down. That was a very good game. Yeah. It was. Again, as you point out in Charlotte, um, I think what we'll see. And this is one of the things I think we're all kind of waiting to see is can the Big Ten team slow Caitlin Clark down just enough? And I'm right. not talking about holding her to 20. Can you hold her to 24, 25? Yeah. And 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 then will she get enough help? Is there enough help there to help to get, overcome that five to six points? Because more than likely that's actually going to end up ha- cascading because she's probably not going to get a couple more assists she's, or, or a few more assists and, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, I hate to say it, go, you know, Iowa goes as Caitlin Clark goes, but I think that's pretty realistic to true. say and, and true. Yeah. Um, so can Ohio State slow them down just enough? Can Indiana slow them down just enough? Um, and, 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 because if you can, then the Big Ten race really becomes a dogfight. And I still think on paper, Ohio State, Iowa, Indiana are the cream of the crop. But mm-hmm. you got it's going to come down to what you can do on the floor. And that's you know kind of what we're talking about tonight. So any other thoughts about Iowa, Kathy? No, I, I don't think so. I, I do think they're a little more susceptible perhaps this year than, than they were last year just because they don't have that strong second presence like they did with Sonano. So um, they definitely, I think, are going – you're going to see them drop a few other games like they did to Kansas State. It's just to see who can have that that key, that recipe to un, to unlocking, slowing Clark down. Yeah, and the other thing is and, – and I know they get great – they were getting great crowds already, but those sold-out crowds in Carver-Hawkeye Arena are going to help them. Yes. You know, and, and against some of these better teams as well that they get coming in there. So, you know, there's an advantage there. So teams that go in there that want to try and pull off the road upset, and kudos to K-State already, but right. Ohio State. And I can't remember who all – I know Indiana goes out there, but, you know, I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember who all the good t- – the top teams that we kind of projected going to Iowa. You know, that you got to overcome the crowd. you got to be able to overcome all of that. And 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 that's worth a, a good eight to ten points right there. So you're gonna have to overcome that. Um, let's talk about Ohio State real quick. Yeah. Ohio State eight and one overall. Their only loss was their season opener to USC, eighty three seventy four. But they've also beat Oklahoma State, who's kind of fallen back to around five hundred. They had a nice win against Tennessee in Knoxville. But this is one that becomes an issue for Indiana, Kathy. Not uh, Tennessee has dropped all the way to like 96th in the net. They've dropped out of the, the top, you know, they're almost out of the top 100 in the net. And in fact, Charlie Cream had them out of his bracket this week. Not, not, not just out of the top 16. They were out of the bracket, period. They're four right. and five. And a lot of that's because Rakea Jackson has not played since about the second game of the year. But so both these teams, IU and Ohio State, probably need Tennessee to get turned around a little bit for that win to become a better win, even though at the time they were good wins. Um, they did win their Big Ten opener against Penn State in Columbus in overtime, 94-84. And we're going to talk about uh, Penn State a little bit more here in a few minutes. But J.C. Shelton had a huge game in that yeah. game against Penn State. And, and Kathy, I just think when they're firing on all cylinders, again, that's a, that's a huge if, I know. But 
on paper to me, they can, they definitely are better talent wise overall than Iowa and IU hard for me to say, I think that I've said this from the beginning, so I'm not doing anything. I I'm staying with my prediction for people yeah. are coming in late going, what, what, you know, uh, <laughs> I said at the very beginning of the season, I thought on paper, Ohio state was the most talented team in the league and would, and should be, should win the league, but they don't always play that way. And, and so, but just talk a little bit about what you see out of Ohio state. Cause again, we know what we're going to see a lot of pressure, and that was what they really did to Tennessee. I watched a lot of that second half, and they just kept – they had the pressure going, and they just turned them over, and it was layup a couple times. For a while, you thought it was like layup city. Yeah. Um, so I haven't had a chance to watch much of Ohio State. I did get to watch the second half of their game against Penn State in the overtime. Um, the thing that was surprising to me in that game was that Ohio State, at least in the second half, they weren't pressing. And that was surprising to me. And so I, again, not knowing what happened in the first half, maybe Penn state was just easily breaking their press. I'm not mm, sure. Um, but that seemed to be something when I watched, I did watch them in the Tennessee game quite a bit. They were pressing quite a bit there. So I, it, I'm not quite sure if it's um, something to, to watch with their, their press or not, but that's always the thing that I think teams dread, but I think maybe that Penn state was an anomaly, but Penn state gave them everything they could. And to be honest, um, you know, I think Penn state would have been even closer than that 10 point deficit, but their um, best player, Marisa went out in that, um, overtime pretty early on with some kind of leg injury. It looked like, so, um, I was really impressed with Penn State on with Ohio State, and that was at Ohio State too. Um, but like you said, you know, J.C. Sheldon, and then you got Cody McMahon, who's averaging right at 17 points as well. So you have two players on your team averaging 17 points per game, and then you surround them with a lot of the other players that Ohio State has. And then when their press is really working, they can really turn them over. I still feel on paper Ohio State is the team to beat as well this year in the conference. Okay. Um, I don't have anything else about Ohio State. So, Kathy, why don't you take a quick look at Nebraska for us? Yeah. So, Nebraska right now is eight and two overall. Um, they had two losses. One was at home to Creighton, and the other one was to TCU. And that game was at a neutral site in Florida as well over the high, um, holidays. Um, they don't have a whole lot of big wins yet, though. So, the interesting thing, they have Georgia Tech and Wyoming that they've beat. And then they did open Big Ten play on the road to Michigan State, who they beat 80 to 74. Um, the interesting thing for me is that they're averaging um, right at only at 81 points per game, but they're holding their opponents to under 60 points per game. So again, is that because their defense has really gotten better or is it the nature of their opponents that they have? Um, and then they're led by Alexis Markowski, who is leading their team as well at 16.8 points per game. So um, Nebraska is an interesting case because they haven't had any really great um, tests like we've already seen for Ohio State or for Iowa or Indiana. So I'm not quite sure what to think of Nebraska yet. And I feel like they're kind of an open question for me because on paper, again, you look like they look like they have the experience that they, they might be able to compete, but until they're really tested getting into big 10 play here with some of the, the top half of the, the league, I'm not quite sure what to think of them. No, but this is a team that last year we all kind of thought might be a top five, top six team in the league. And they had a couple injuries that kind of took them off of that. And But one thing we'll say about Nebraska, when they are healthy, and it looks like they are starting to play better than they did last year, they are dangerous at home. And, and that Lincoln is a tough yeah. place to play um, yes. with that. But I, I think, Kathy, you hit the nail on the head here with a lot of these teams that we're talking about here. 
who have they played? I think the one thing that the non-conference strength of schedule is going to come back to, to maybe hurt a little bit. I think this is why, for example, Charlie Cream has Nebraska at a nine seed right now at eight and two. Um, I didn't bring my net rankings home to take a look at Nebraska, but Nebraska, you know, has a decent net ranking. But, uh, you know, the, I, it makes me wonder how that will play out as we go through the season. Um, but Markowski is a real deal. And and so they've got some talent. It's just a matter of last year. It didn't really seem to come together the way we thought it would. And that was this is a team that we were talking about a year or so ago being like, man, really not sure I want to go to Lincoln. And this team could be dangerous come tournament time. It never really panned out that way for them. They were kind of a borderline uh, uh, bubble team. It seemed like the whole season as we went yeah. into the NCAA tournament. And speaking of another one, and they're kind of the same boat, Minnesota. Minnesota got beat by a UConn, their only loss so far, in Minneapolis, 62-44. Other than that, they've won all nine of their games, including beating Purdue to open up Big Ten season at Williams Arena, 60-58 to the other day. But their wins are Drake in two overtimes, Kentucky at Kentucky, but neither of them are world beaters, and, and Kentucky's right. really struggling right now. So just, you know, it seems like and, – and UConn's not UConn per se, no. in terms of where they are right now in the, in, in the ranking. So how good is Minnesota? It's nice to see. I will say this as somebody who's followed Big Ten basketball for a while. It's nice to see Minnesota be back in this discussion where they right. were a few years, where for the last few years, they've been at the bottom really yeah. pretty much of the league. So, but how good are they? They're averaging 77 points a game. They're giving up 55, but I think that's as much about who they've played rather than their talent level. I could be wrong. Okay. We'll find out. They're led by, by Marl Braun, just under 20 points a game. So, but yeah, Minnesota is, to me, Minnesota is going to be that team that I could see very easily either they'll stay here. Or they'll plummet, you know, and at the end of the season, we're going to be a man. Remember, we thought Minnesota was nine and one might be worth watching and they're going to be missing the tournament. So, you know, they're, they're to me that they're one of those teams that, you know, kind of like, okay, let's, we need just, we need more body of evidence here. Yeah. Minnesota and Nebraska, I both have in that camp of, I'm, I'm not quite sure what to think of them. I do define the net rankings that you looked up. So I'll just get us kind of caught up here. So um, for Indiana, in case people aren't um, following us in Substack, uh, they are number 30 in the net rankings. Iowa is number six, Michigan state, um, which will, I don't know if, I think we're talking about them later. Number 11, which is interesting. Ohio state 16, Nebraska is 18 and um, Minnesota is 41. So those okay. are our teams we've covered so far. So um, yeah, net ranking 41 for Minnesota. So doesn't quite like them as much as what you might think of for a nine in one team. And I think to your point, it's the kind of the strength of the schedule again, mm-hmm. you know, outside of UConn, who have they really played and they, they lost quite handily to UConn too. So um, I don't know what to think of Minnesota. I I do think that, you know, water will find its level here personally when big 10 conference starts. And I still expect them to be in the kind of that middle pack, if not towards the bottom of the middle pack. I don't think they will be the bottom of the big 10, but I I don't think that Mm. I I think they might have the chance to surprise a couple of people. You never want to take anyone for granted, especially going up to Minnesota, but they're not anyone I'm particularly concerned about just yet. I'm going to skip one here for you, Kathy. Let's go down to Michigan on the run sheet. How don't you talk about Michigan? Let's kind of stay with what the pleasant surprises of the league are so far. 
Yeah. So uh, Michigan right now is eight and two overall. Um, they are one and O oh in the big 10 um, with a win over Illinois at Illinois, which was a handy win 84 to 48. Um, their two losses though, were to Ole Miss 60 to 49 and Toledo 69 to 46. Um, they are only averaging 73 points per game, but they're also only allowing 54 points per game, 55 basically. And then Lila, Layla Felia is averaging 15 points per game to lead them in, in terms of scoring. And then in terms of their net ranking, Michigan is actually number 28 right now. So they're just above Indiana in that net ranking. So it's the, again, it's just a very interesting case with Michigan. Um, you know, I think we were kind of surprised if I remember earlier in the year um, when we were doing our preseason talk of um, before anything started and the coaches were talking a lot about Michigan, but they weren't really on anyone else's radar outside the coaches. So again, I think they're a team to kind of watch, especially going into Illinois like that and, and beating a team where we thought Illinois was actually going to be kind of competing a little more in that top of the, the big 10. So, um, Again, not quite sure what to think, especially going and losing to Ole Miss and Toledo. So um, what are your thoughts on Michigan? Well, that's exactly, again, kind of wait and see. I'm still not sold that they're a top five team in the league, but you know, it's it, they are eight and two. But you talk about that Illinois game. It was just a handful of days. It was three or four days prior to that. It was like Thursday, Tuesday of last week that they went to Toledo and lost. That was the, you know, they lost by 23 at Toledo, yeah. a Mac team. And so, and again, I'm not trying to diss the Mac. So before anybody goes running out, telling their Mac people that I'm dissing, them. no, <laughs> some good teams in the Mac, but you don't expect an, you know, at right. that point, what was a seven and one Michigan team to go on the road in the Mac and gets, gets, gets run out of the gym by 23. I'm still not sold. I, I again, they have not played a really high quality strength of schedule. They played Ole Miss okay team lost by 11 you know so it, it right now we're just kind of waiting to see what they're going to look like when they get into um big 10 play and Kathy let's throw Michigan State in here because we didn't have them in the run sheet I kind of feel the same way about Michigan State they really haven't beaten anybody and then lose to Nebraska at home but as you mentioned the net loves them they're like yeah, number, number 11, 11. 11. But I think part of that, one thing I'll tell you about Michigan State, I think I found this when I, and maybe I'm misremembering here, but I think it's Michigan State that I think what's giving them love in the net is they've got yeah. like five games where they've had 90 plus points and they've won like yeah. four or five games by like 40 plus points. 40. But yeah, they haven't, but it's no, again, they are not quality, it's not power five teams that they're running that up on. So I'm not sold yeah. on Michigan State. I think Michigan State falls back. That's one reason I probably didn't include them here on the run sheet. You're right. Um, that's right. They have five wins with uh, 40 or more points in five games where they have scored 90 or more points. So I think that's inflating their, their net ranking too. Um, you know, again, uh, we saw it last year. We went up to Michigan State. Granted, it was without Grace Berger, but we lost to them. So it, you just don't want to go on the road at, at all with any of these teams, especially the teams in the middle of the pack and just assume that they're going to be cakewalks. You know, records was not a cakewalk when we just went up there, right? Like they had to work and they had to, to make sure that they were on point with what they were doing. So there are no night offs in the big 10 with maybe a few games, you know, with a couple of the teams towards the bottom, but you know, any of these teams that we're talking about, Minnesota, especially Maryland, you know, I just think they're too well coached. Um, we haven't started talking to them about that yet or but in Michigan um in Michigan State I just don't think you want to take any of them for granted no. 
even though we don't know what to think of them yet. <laughs> so, which just makes them even more dangerous, I think. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to jump down here to Penn State. They're the kind yeah. of been the pleasant surprise. Uh, yeah. You mentioned this. And I was going to save it for this part of it, but McKenna Marissa was injured in that Ohio State game. I did look on Google trying to get some information. All they kept saying was it was a lower leg injury and there was no update based after yeah. oh, what happened in the Ohio State game. So we don't know if she's going to be out any significant length of time. If she is, she is a big loss. She is one of the best players in the Big Ten, if not the country. Uh, they're seven and three overall. They lost, as we said, that uh, that game in Columbus to Ohio State in overtime. Their other losses, they lost to a very good, uh, right now, number six USC team. That game was a one point mm -hmm. game, seventy one seventy. But then they lose to West Virginia. Okay, decent team, but they get blown out by 18, 83-65 as their other two losses here. The other thing, they're averaging 84 a game. They give up 67, and Marissa's averaging right now at 17.2 to lead them. But for our fans who've been following IU women's basketball for a while, the tale, the saga, whatever you want to call it, of Ashley Owazu, who <laughs> started at, at, at Maryland, <laughs> transferred out to Virginia Tech, where last year she was playing pretty well, but got hurt and never really did get back into the lineup. I think maybe didn't even play at all in the in the NCAA tournament for them. And mm -hmm. then she decided to transfer out to Penn State, but she hasn't played a game yet for Penn State this year. And everything I could find leading up for today to try and get ready for tonight is it's kind of a mystery injury. Nobody at Penn State is really saying what's wrong, but she's supposedly been warming up with the team pregame and there was some speculation you might see her in the Ohio state game, but she never got in. So is she back soon? Is she not? If she, if she happens to come back and can contribute and Marissa's out, that will help alleviate some of that. But it right now is just, you know, right now, Penn state right now is kind of in that boat of, uh, well, if they got McKenna Marissa. We're going to keep talking about them. if not, then they're probably going to go back toward the, you know, the back half of the league. But what are your thoughts on Penn state? Kathy? You've watched them a little bit more than I have. Yeah, well, I've only watched them uh, that second half and again, the overtime game with Ohio State. So what I saw from them, they were very athletic and very aggressive. Um, and then then you add Marissa into that. And again, assuming she gets back, at least hopefully at some point, which I hope for her, she does, because she was she was she was on fire that game. But there, she had some surrounding players for her, too. And if you you add an Awusu into that that mix, I think that Penn State is going to give a lot of people trouble and not just, you know, the USC that they have earlier this year or taking Ohio State to to overtime. I, I really think that um I really think Penn State is going to be a team to watch this year, kind of like Illinois was last year. I think they're, they're the sleeper team for me right now, at least what I've seen on paper and then what I saw in that that happeth Ohio State. And Kathy, I'm going to let you talk. So we kind of right now for our listeners, we kind of taken this as the top three teams that we kind of project at the beginning and then more of kind of either the pleasant surprises or not quite whether sure we are buying or selling on them. I guess we should have done this as almost a buy or sell. Segment now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And now let's talk about I kind of classify them here as, you know, at least the underachieving teams that from what we thought they might be at the beginning of the season. And Kathy, yeah. why don't you start with Maryland? Maryland. Yep. Yeah. So right now, Maryland is eight and three overall. Um, now their losses though are interesting. So it sounds bad on paper, but their three losses are all to ranked teams. So first is South Carolina, um, who is number one right now. They lost to South Carolina handily, which 
almost every team has um, so far this year outside of, I think Utah this last, last weekend took South Carolina down to the wire here pretty good, but they lost 76 to 114. They went to Connecticut, which I thought was just impressive. They were going to try to do that, but just got, their butts handed to them 48 to 80. Um, and then number 23, Washington state in Mexico, not the, not New Mexico, the state, but no, like the country, down. Mexico, <laughs> they played down in Mexico and they lost that game 67 to 87. And then their only, you know, wins of maybe of note would be Syracuse at home, but they only won by two 83 to 81. And then they opened up big 10 play at North, at home against Northwestern, where they won that one comfortably 71 to 58. Um, they're averaging 82 points per game, but they're giving up 71.7 points per game. And again, that's inflated with 114 yeah. from, from South Carolina. I'm, I'm, and indeed, um, and 87 from Washington state and 80 from Yukon, but still the 71 points per game is quite a bit to be given up. And then in terms of leading score, that Cheyenne Sellers right now at 16.7. So I haven't watched Maryland this year, mm -hmm. and they were the one team that we were not quite sure about at the beginning of the year, right? Like they have a lot of moving pieces in there, but we really like Brenda Freeze as a coach. We knew they were going to be really battle-tested, and boy, they sure have been, you know, but I was thinking at least for sure with that Washington State game, they would be a little more competitive than losing by 20 to, to Washington state. So I don't know what quite to think of Maryland. Um, and then in terms of net ranking, they're still coming in at number 48. So they definitely have dropped in net rating, I think from where we would have thought they would be. But again, like I wouldn't discount them with the coaching staff that they have. Brenda Fries has been a coach that has historically shown she she knows how to write her program. You know, I think was it last year they had kind of a summer thing, kind of a rough non-conference start, and they came in and they ended up for fourth in the conference last year, right? Right. So, you know, I, I you know I don't know what to think of Maryland, but they are definitely not one I I'm ready to to, to write off and overlook because of those three losses. So you'd be buying still on Maryland. I'm still buying Maryland. Yes. <laughs> we should have done this as buying sell. Why do we think yeah, of these things in the middle of the show instead of beforehand? <laughs> yeah, but I'm with you. I'm going to buy on Maryland a little bit because but I think what's 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 different about this year, at least in the early part, Kathy, is it's the way they lost. It's not so much that they lost to South Carolina. They played UConn for the last few years, you know, every year, but it's they got blown out. South Carolina, like you said, 114 to 76. UConn. 80 to 48 Washington state, 87, 60. They were getting beat. And then I, I can't remember who it was in the non-conference as well, but because we're almost all the games at this point are non-conference, but I want to say it was like George Mason or somebody like that, that they had at home that they struggled with. I mean, it was only like maybe an eight or nine point win over George Mason, a team that you would think traditionally they would just blow out. And yeah, they beat what North, at Northwestern, but a little bit of that was a struggle. They were only up seven or eight going into like the fourth quarter and Northwestern's picked to be at the bottom of the league. So you're still a lot of questions about Maryland, but I'm with you. I think Brenda Freeze will figure out some way to get them toward the top five, four or five of the league and find a way to get into the NCAA tournament. But I'm not sure they can jump into that top three. But I think they're going to bypass yeah. some of these teams that we've been talking about. Um, anything else about Maryland you want to throw in here? 
No, I don't think so. Um, other than, you know, I, I wonder if it's like, you know, what we we have a tendency to do on the men's side with the, the Tom Izzo effect, <laughs> mm-hmm. where everyone just assumes Michigan State's going to kind of turn around there on the men's side. Uh, Maryland may may have the same kind of similar struggles. Mm-hmm. And I also wouldn't be completely surprised if we see them more in that, you know, six, seven range of the Big Ten, too, if they can't kind of um, turn the ship here. Mm-hmm. But yes, for now, still buying. <laughs> yeah, and and for those you know bringing that up about Izzo and Michigan State, Eamon Brennan with a really good article um, on if in the Substack, if you want to find that, I believe you can find it there as well that in, in Substack um, about will you know will Michigan State kind of make the bounce back, which is kind of what we're saying about Maryland. We're we're, we're trusting they will, but yeah, you don't know. I'm going to I'm going to take Illinois here, and and they're five and three overall. But I think that again, this was a perception that this was the sleeper team that could go from last year to this year and maybe be knock on that door with the top three, that this would give me the team that would challenge those three, possibly at least to sneak in there in third. And, and if they, you know, things fell right, Illinois is off to a five and three start overall. They lost, as we said, to Michigan at home at the state farm center, 84, 48. They've also lost to Marquette by four and by 11 to Notre Dame. They're averaging 77 and a half, giving up 61, um, Genesis Bryant's leading the way at 14.8. Kendall Bostick is averaging an uh, Indiana kid, uh, Northwestern High School near Kokomo. Kendall Bostick averaging right around 12 points a game and nine re- or 12 points and nine rebounds a game. So almost a double double for Bostick. Uh, but you just get the feeling. And again, this could be a team that would surprise. But right now, Kathy, you just get the feeling that they have they're not what we thought they were going to be. So I'm not ready to sell on them yet, but I still need to see more before I'm 100% buy. Yeah, I, I'm still kind of a push on Illinois right now. Um, maybe I'm selling a little bit from where I thought they were earlier this year. But on the other hand, you know, their loss to to um, Michigan was, or excuse me, Notre Dame was only 11 points. What's given me pause is that that loss at home to to Michigan. 84 to 48. Like that is really some, like you like to say, that's a crooked number (laughs) right there. Um, A crooked score that you never want to see ever, but it's certainly not at home and certainly not your conference zone for at home. So now I'm I'm having a little pause and I'm almost ready to hit the sell button on Illinois, but I don't want to do that after one game and certainly not going to do it after, (laughs) excuse me, the loss to Marquette either. So Um, But, you know, looking through their schedule of the five wins that they have, five wins says to me, hey, you know, Illinois really has what it takes to put it together because, again, outside of Notre Dame, they didn't really play anybody of note and and Marquette in their non-conference schedule. So huge question mark for me on Illinois, I think probably bigger than some of the other teams that we've talked about so far. That's a great, that's awesome. I, I think you made, you made some really good points there. Um, why don't you talk about the nemesis, that team up north, as Woody Hayes used to say, they, you know, the, the Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah, the team in <laughs> black and gold. Yeah. So um, real quick before we leave Illinois, they're number 50 in net rate ranking. So the net's not real super excited about Illinois no. so far either. Um, speaking of not super excited about net rankings, Purdue is currently um, net ranking of 81. So their net ranking is really not um, not good. And their, their record matches that. They are six and four overall. 
They opened up at Minnesota, as we mentioned earlier, and lost that game 60 to 58. So, so played them tight and on the road. So that's nice. Um, their best win, though, is over Texas AM 72 to 58. They have losses to UCLA, which is not a bad loss at all no. in terms of um, who they lost to. But it was 92 to 49. Um, they lost to Florida 52 to 49. So again, close, still a loss. And then Georgia 65 to 57. They are only averaging 68 points per game. Um, and they're giving up right around 60. So defensively, you know, that's around what Indiana is giving up. Uh, you know, we're right in the mid 50s. So they're just above that. But wow. Um, only putting up 68 points per game is probably not a good recipe for success. And, you know, to that point, um, Abby Ellis is leading them in scoring at only 14 points per game. So it really looks to me on the, for Purdue, it, again, not having been able to watch them yet this year. It's on the offensive side that they're going to have to figure out to put some production up if they're going to finish in that top half of the Big Ten where we thought they could potentially be. We thought maybe in the top six, but right now it's not feeling like they're going to. And we thought this was going to be a potential bubble team or maybe a, a, a low seed uh, NCAA tournament team, a 9, 10, 11 type seed. And right now they're out. And right yeah. now the net's not going to get them in as, you know, as an no, large. They're, they're in the improve. Big Ten. Yeah. And and we've got it. And, and and again, like we said throughout the episode, a lot of this. If we do this a month from now, some of this is a lot of this is going to change, and they may surprise us. But right now, we're basing on what we've seen so far in the in the stats, the records, what little we've seen them play. Um, but right now, what you see out of Purdue is they're struggling to win close games. Five, a three point loss to Florida, eight point loss to Georgia, two point loss to Minnesota. So they're struggling to find ways to win close games, and that's. That, that sometimes can be a really bad thing because you're in all those games and you're kind of thinking they'll break your way, but it's interesting how sometimes you just don't seem to go up. Whereas some teams go back to like the 1989 IU men's team. They seem to find ways to win those games. I was like, Oh, it was a two, three point game at Indiana one, another two, three point game, Indiana one. Well, that's, those are the differences you get from being a top level team in the league to being kind of a middle or lower middle level pack. Um, so they're going to have to find a way to start winning some closer games, you know, some of these close games, and hopefully they don't do it against us. But that right now, I, I'm not, I, I'm kind of like you were talking about Illinois. I'm a little bit of push here on Purdue. I'm not ready to sell that they're going to stay down there at the bottom type of the Big Ten, 10th, 11th, but I'm not sure they're going to make much more past seven or eight either. So I'm not sure. Yeah. So anything else you want to, anything else you want to add about some of these teams, Kathy? No, I think we, we covered them pretty, pretty darn well, Jeff. (laughs) So anyway, um, questions I had Kathy for you and then I'll answer it. How good is the big 10 to top to bottom right now? You know, <laughs> after after walking through almost all of the teams here, I mean, we we didn't talk about some of the bottom teams between Wisconsin records and Northwestern particularly. Um, I, I think they're still about where I expected it to be, right? Like maybe a little bit of a mix up in the middle. Not surprising the middle. You, it's just so hard to judge. But top three teams still, Indiana, Ohio State, and um um, Iowa, of course, right there. I still think, yeah, Char- um, Charlie Green's with his rankings of Maryland, Nebraska, Michigan being in. Um, I think those are right on. Uh, and then Penn State, I, I think, is going to be the sleeper of this. The the biggest surprising is Illinois for me again. 
Um, so depending on where they're at, um, I'm kind of bleeding into, I think your next question, which is kind of how many team will we get in? I think they, those two questions kind of yeah. are symbiotic and go together. So how good are they? I think that we can definitely see maybe six or even seven teams get in if, you know, Penn state is really, you know, the darling right now of, of the big 10, you know, they were in the rankings there for a minute and then they dropped back out. I, I can see us getting seven teams in this year. Um, so overall, you know, seven seven teams out of 14, I, I think that's an actual nice showing from the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with everything you just said. It, it's about what we thought, top-heavy league, uh, some teams that were going to be in the middle. We may have been wrong about the teams we thought were going to be one? in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we thought Illinois, especially Purdue. Um, but, you know, and, and is Maryland even a middle of the road team? Or are they more seventh, eighth, you know? But again, we're going to believe in Brenda Freeze until she, you know, just proves us wrong. Um, but I think, you, like you said, uh, Penn State, especially Nebraska, possibly Minnesota, jumping up and toward the middle of the league are good, you know, are, are taking the places right now of what we thought would be Illinois, Purdue, you know, and, and, and to a certain degree, I think Michigan was always that team. We couldn't quite figure out either in the, in the off season, we weren't giving them the love that the coaches poll was, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, I'm with you. I think definitely, I, I think it's a six team league. I no matter how it shakes out at the end, it's going to be a six team league. I think they'll sneak a seventh one in, whether that's as a first four, uh, one of the first four, first uh, the first or the last four in the last four yeah. in or last. <laughs> um a, a 10 seed there but i think you're going to see i think you'll see three teams hosting i think i and i'm going to go on the limb i do believe iu ohio state iowa will be those three teams but i think you'll see three teams hosting coming into the tournament time um with that so kathy i'll go with this one first any second thoughts on the preseason predictions i'm gonna say no not right now i don't yeah because again i said ohio state iowa indiana you know were those top three teams i'm gonna stick with that i may have been a little bit wrong on who was going to be in the middle but i still think especially maryland and and Nebraska have a chance to stay there. I um again Michigan, I'm not quite sold on. I Illinois and Purdue are the ones I guess I'm gonna have to, you know, at the end of the season kind of go back and look at and be like, mm, right yeah. or wrong. But um yeah, it, it's been so far. And the big thing to me here, Kathy, and I'll let you answer this one too as part of this question. Just outside of the couple of games Iowa's won and the Tennessee, and again, right now the Tennessee win doesn't look very good for either IU or Ohio State. Mm-hmm. nobody's won and and to a certain degree it was kind of disappointing looking at this how many teams in the big 10 didn't schedule very aggressively i mean there are not a lot of the teams after iu ohio state and iowa and maryland playing a lot of quality power five teams yeah and you know again iowa with kansas state and virginia tech you know they they have probably at least right now have the best wins now um the tennessee game for both us and Ohio State, looked like it was going to be a really good marquee uh, matchup. And, you know, our Princeton game is holding up pretty well right now. Um, I know they were playing earlier tonight. I don't know if they ended up winning their game. Um, but, you know, they were in and out of the rankings as well. So at this point, you know, for the few marquee network or marquee network, marquee teams <laughs> i'm not in baseball anymore right now any of the par- marquee teams that you know some of the we have had kansas state tennessee um even some of the losses you know or florida that iowa beat earlier we really need those teams to start performing princeton and we kansas state um i think i mentioned them already but we need them to do that to bolster our our league because we did have some teams schedule some really aggressive games you know maryland did 
-hmm. but they lost all of them and they lost handily. And that's the problem as well, is that we had a few teams schedule some nice non-conference games, but Outside of um, Iowa, I think, beating um, Kansas State, I don't think any of our, our teams have beat any ranked teams at this point in, in the, the the season anyway. Now that could change. Again, Tennessee could turn it around. Princeton could you know make sure they sneak back up in that top 25 and, and whatnot. But I agree. I think it, it's going to be you're going to have to win a majority of your games in the Big Ten right now just because I don't think that we do have enough of those um, – kind of great quality wins in the non-conference, a lot of non-quality losses, unfortunately for some of the teams, us, the Stanford, as we all know. Yeah. Um, but you know, USC with Ohio state, we just didn't seem to be able to pull it off when you get to the really cream of the crop of the um, no. NCAA. No, you need a team like Oklahoma state who to, to have a good second half of yeah. the season that, that would, that win will look better if they do. Um, you know, if Marquette continues to have, again, we not necessarily, there are a lot of wins there, but again, a loss to Marquette doesn't look as bad if they're in the top three, four of the big East, you know, it, it, so some of that plays out, but again, like you said, just not a lot of signature wins. And, and, and again, this is where you schedule like IU Tennessee and Princeton. Well, you know, you beat them, but you're also kind of at the mercy of what they do the rest of the season as well. And like you said, Iowa or Iowa and Maryland, both really kind of going out and playing a a lot of top quality, top ranked teams, but outside of Iowa, nobody's winning, you know, and, and and so that's, you know, one of those things. So anything else you got to hear, you got any questions you have for me that, you know, Um, No, I don't think so. I think the, um, you know, we, my one question I had for us was the second thoughts on the C presents and predictions. And I have not really second guessing any of them except for maybe Illinois and Purdue. I think they might be lower than I originally thought they were going to yep. be in that Penn state. Um, and maybe even Minnesota might kind of jump in front of them. Mm. So, well, go ahead. All right. You're fine. <laughs> And so we'll be back next Wednesday when we will come, we'll have kind of do a post game show out of the Evansville game. We won't have a post game show uh, on Monday night after that game. Uh, we'll just come back next Wednesday with our regular doing the work uh, podcast and we'll do the post game there. We'll also preview Bowling Green and maybe we'll also take a little bit deeper dive into, into the Big Ten schedule coming up for the Hoosiers as well because they will start Big Ten play on November, excuse me, November, December 31st, New Year's Eve. They'll host Illinois at Simon Scott. That game has been moved. I saw that it had been originally scheduled for a noon start. Now it's going to be 1230 Eastern time, 1130 Central. And I'm thinking, we're thinking about going down for that because it's New Year's Eve. You can go down, watch the game, and still drive back to, you know, for us to drive back to Rensselaer and and still be back in time and get off the roads before all the crazy people are out driving. So, yes. And update I told you that Princeton was playing somebody and I couldn't come to the brain. Um, They um, beat records tonight. 66 to 55 at Princeton. So I knew they were playing somebody and my brain just couldn't come up with it. So Princeton beat Rutgers 66 to 55. So kind of an interesting note on both hands since we played both of those teams this year. Yeah, it is. And, and not shocked that Princeton has already said, you know, beat Princeton. He actually used the word dominated. So, but with that, so we'll be back next Wednesday, a week from tonight. Uh, Simply call will be on tomorrow night with their usual show at their usual time. Excuse me. 
If you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at back home network. That's the at sign, uh, youtube.com slash at back home network. You can be a part of our private community as well. Find out more to simply call Special thanks to John Ringer of rig design for designing our logos. And also a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our music that you heard throughout the broadcast. And thank you for listening. And those of you who are watching in the live YouTube feed, the workaholics here tonight, you know, thank you as well. Uh, we'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you soon and, and let your friends know about our podcast. We've been getting some nice, you know, kind of anecdotal stories from friends and stuff that they found our podcast in one way or another. But if you've got friends who enjoy IU women's basketball or just basketball in general, pass them along and let them know that Kathy and I are doing this podcast and, and and, and enjoy doing it for all of you out there who want to listen to I, talk about IU women's basketball. And we'll come back next Wednesday to do that. Until then, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Wrong one. All right. All hey, right. that was our longest show we've done for a long time, I think. So I it guess we like were up about 10 teams. <laughs> well, we did, but it was more. I really wasn't going to talk about Michigan State because I was, I'm right now, I'm pretty much sell on Michigan State until they yeah. prove me wrong. But me um, I thought, well, we better mention them because they were, you know, I didn't have their record, but they've only lost like once or twice. So, yeah. um, well, Northwestern is getting throttled by, by North DePaul. or by DePaul, forty-seven to nineteen at halftime. Wisconsin is Who's mediocre? And that's not <laughs> a very good DePaul team. They're DePaul a, team, they're no. an average Big East team this year, and that's why I was talking about that win for Maryland. You know, yeah. Maryland only winning by thirteen at home. I, there's this, there's some there's a little bit of a warning sign with that as well, yeah. but we'll see. Wins a win. Um, yeah. And you know, like Eagle, I appreciate the comments from you and the workaholics. You get yeah. to tell your friends, you know, we, we're trying to expand this out. We don't know. We always, you know, Kathy had somebody come up to her down in Florida and tell her how much they tell them, tell her how much they enjoyed the podcast. And I, every once in a while, I'll be someplace like down in Bloomington. I was there for the Marquette game, not the Marquette game, Murray state game. And had a couple of people tell me they liked the pro the, like the podcast. Yeah. They saw me and stuff. So, you know, it, it's nice to hear, but we just want to spread the word and get more people, you know, as we can listening and watching and, as yeah. well. So. And my friends, um, her, her stepbrothers, uh, found us somehow. So if you're listening tonight, Brent, thanks. And hope to see you again soon, maybe, uh, over Christmas when I make it back to Southern Indiana. So, um, it's just kind of fun, um, finding people out there too. So yeah, I had a, I had a couple of people in Fort Myers come up to me and, and kind of talk to me and let me know about listening to the show. So, um, really appreciate everybody yep. that's there. I mean, otherwise Jeff and I could just get on the phone and talk with each other. So it's a lot more fun when we have people chatting along or giving us comments later. So we appreciate it. Yes, we do. So, and we'll be All back. Right. Like I said, next Wednesday, we'll do a post game show of the yep. Evansville game. And then also preview Bowling Green, kind of a two for one show there as well. And then maybe, um, Kind of keep in time, you know, keeping uh, uh, listening because uh, as we get over the holidays here, we may have to adjust schedules a little bit based on Kathy's schedule with her family, my schedule with my family, things like that. So, but right now we're still planning on every, you know, if there's not a game, we're kind of planning every Wednesday night to be back here with you on what we're referring to now as doing the work radio. So, you know, there you go. So, so. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Well, thanks yeah. for, for tonight and Kathy, getting us going too. and have a great night and we'll talk to you in a week. Yeah. We'll talk to you next week, Kathy. Good, good, All right. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.